Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Well, our title this morning is kind of different. Can these bones live? Good question. Ezekiel chapter 37 and verse 3 is where we get the title from. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Pretty good answer, wouldn't you say? You realize that no matter who you are, when you get born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, and you go through life, you are going to be challenged by an enemy. Jesus said in the world, you're going to have what? Tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. And by your faith, you can overcome as well. Is basically what he was teaching us. Well, there are situations that we encounter in this life that can cause us to have a sense of helplessness, hopelessness, emptiness. Everyone's challenged by the powers of darkness, and we know that. Ezekiel finds himself in the situation that God puts him in, and where is he at? In the valley of dry bones. Does it get worse than that? Hardly can it get worse than something like that. In the valley of dry bones... And God asks him this question, can these bones live? Well, before we get into the dry bones, let's talk about some other bones that we could be categorized as in life. How about a wishbone? Do we have any wishbones among us? I wish this and I wish that. I wish I was six feet tall. I wish I had a million dollars. I wish, and you just go on and on. Well, I wish, and then you name whatever you want to name. Some things are impractical, like me being six feet tall. Some things maybe are practical, but you've got to do some work to achieve those things that you're wishing for in life. But we call them wishbones. Then you've got jawbones, and I dare even to tread out on the water some jawbones. The Bible says in a multitude of words, there's what? In a multitude of words, there's wanted not sin. So in other words, we could be a big talker, but our what about our walk? Our walk. Our talk should be backed up by the walk, right? But what he's really saying is this, you know, we can speak a lot of words and say a lot of different things, and we've got to watch when it comes to our mouths, because the things we say are constructive or destructive. There's death and life in the power of the tongue, but these are jawbones. We can say a lot, we can speak a lot, but... Let's back up what we're saying with our walk um, and also not get involved in things that we shouldn't be talking about. But the third one then is lazy bones. Anyone know a lazy bone? No lazy bones? I know a couple of lazy bones. (laughs) Just can't depend on them to get anything done. They just don't want to do it. They want someone else to do it for them. That could be classified as a lazy bone. There's a lot that needs to be done, but they don't want to put forth the effort to get the thing done. So they're lazy bones. And then the next one we got, this is the funny bone. The funny bones. My father was a funny bone. Everything was a joke. 
in life. He just loved to laugh, loved to make people laugh. And it's wonderful to be that way. You know, that, that was his character. But sometimes if it spills over where the Bible says foolish jesting is not always convenient, it can be very inconvenient just to be making light of everything in life. When it comes to the things of God, of course, we need to be serious in some areas. All areas when it comes to God. But my point is when you're just given over to just that, just humor all the time and everything's taken lightly, it can affect your faith life because then you don't take seriously the things that need to be taken serious from the Word of God, like the things that we believe in our heart and say with our mouth. Then you've got the backbones. These are the ones, obviously, that work. They're the hard workers. They've got backbone. They're going to do whatever needs to be done. They're going to get the job done. They're a go-getter. They're aggressive. And praise God, they're just right there for you. What can I do? How can I help? And so on and so forth. And so we thank God for those that have the backbone to do what needs to be done. But then we come up to the dry bones. And dry bones speaks of death, despair, despondency, hopelessness, helplessness, you're in a bad situation, don't know what to do. It's a very difficult situation. Remember Jairus? And he went to Jesus to get healing for his daughter who was dying. And on the way there, what happened? The servants came and said, trouble the master no further. It's too late. She's gone. That's a state of uh, hopelessness. Immediately helplessness. We're talking death here. She has died there's nothing more you can do from the human perspective, from the natural perspective. This little girl is gone. I know you're going to be heartbroken when you hear these words, but it happened. What does Jesus do immediately? Don't be afraid. Only believe. But without those words, that man would be in a state of dry bones, despair. There's death with all of its doom and gloom and the heartache and pain that he would have experienced. Well, then you've got, obviously, Lazarus. Remember Martha and Mary's brother Lazarus when Lazarus had died? And I thought this was interesting. When he died and then Jesus was coming, who was the one that ran out to meet Jesus along the way? Who's the one that said, had you been here, my brother would not have died? Martha. Why is that important to know? Remember when uh, Jesus was teaching and Mary said, Jesus. Or Martha went to Mary and said to Mary, to Jesus, she's not helping me. Martha was the one who was always cumbered about many things. She's taking care of the home. She's feeding everybody and all that. And Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and she was the one that was listening to what he had to say. But when the time came, Martha's the one that got up, got out, and she ran to meet him and said, had you been here, my brother would not have died there was a little bit more maybe on the inside of her than we give her credit for. And Jesus said, look, look, I told you if you'd believe, you'd see the glory of God. So there was despair. And now we're not talking about death. We're not talking about death and what? Decay. Because his body started to decay at that particular time. So we have an even more dire situation, seemingly. But, of course, Jesus, you know the end of the story, raised him from the dead. Then you got the widow of Nain, remember? The funeral procession that was taking place. And there they are in that procession. There's that woman who's a widow and now she's lost her son. She's in a state of what? Despair. There's death. Despondency. Despair. Hopelessness. Helplessness. There she's in that state. But of course, what does Jesus do? He comes along and raises the boy out of the, from the dead. 
and presents him back to her. Well, think about all those conditions and think about where Ezekiel's at. Right now, Ezekiel is placed in the valley of dry bones. Let's read the first two verses. It does not get worse than this. It can't. In the first two verses, chapter 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and sent me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And he said unto me, behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, uh, they were very dry. So he's in the valley of dry bones and all these bones are there from all these corpses that they died, they decayed, they decompose, etc. And there they are, and he is in the midst of the bones. Not a good place to be in. But knowing that he was a priest as well as a prophet, he knew to touch those bones meant he would be defiled. Look at Numbers, chapter 19, verse 16. And whosoever toucheth one that is slain with a sword in the open fields or a dead body or a bone of a man or a grave shall be unclean seven days. So now we have this prophet who was a priest as well in the midst of all these bones. And for seven days, he's going to have to be unclean if he's going to have any approach to God. But think about this. What happened? Why are those bones there? Was there a drought? Was there a famine? Was there war? Is that why they're all there? All those bones? Why weren't they ever buried? They're just there in an open field, this valley of bones. It doesn't get worse than that. These are not even people that just died, like Jairus' daughter. Even four days dead, like Lazarus. And who knows how long the other one, the widow of Nain, her son was dead. These have been dead for so long. There's nothing but bones left. And these are very dry bones because they're sun scorched. They've been sitting out in the open field all this time. Hard to imagine that your loved one would be in a place like that. But here's Ezekiel. He has no way to approach God. But something that he knew. Look at the next verse. Verse 3. This is where we get our title. He said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Ezekiel knew something about the power of God. He experienced the power of God. He knew God was all powerful. But he also knew something else. I'm not going to say no in a situation that looks so hopeless, so helpless. A situation that there's no one going to be able to turn this thing around from a natural perspective. So illogical to even think that these bones can actually live. It doesn't get harder than this. And if you think about it. Even though God's the one who's initiating all this conversation, and you know who he is, it's still hard for anyone to think that these bones can live. Especially if you're a medical doctor, and you see that. If you're a scientist, a biologist, and you see that. If you're a funeral director, and you see that. I mean, come on. He was tempted, I'm sure, to say, no. It's illogical. Have you been in a situation that it seems like as though to believe God is illogical? Like walk around the wall seven times and they'll come tumbling down. Oh, really? Don't send out the army. Send out the praisers, Jehoshaphat, and you're going to have victory. Oh, really? 
It seems as though this is a situation that goes beyond anything we could possibly encounter. And God says, can these bones live? Instead of saying no, what does he say? You know. You know. Why is he saying that? Because he knew this. I know your power, but you've got to give the word. You've got to be the one to say it. And if you say they can, then they can. If you say they can, then they will. Sometimes I think here's where we miss the mark. Find out what God is saying about the situation. Find out what he has to say about it. Find out what his word has to say about it. We find ourselves in a difficult situation just like the Roman centurion was with his servant. And what did he say to Jesus who said, I will come and I will raise him up. I'll heal him. And what does Jesus say? I mean, what does this man say to Jesus? Just speak the word. You need not come. You authorize it. You speak the word. And if you give me the word, then I'm good with it. And Jesus said, I've not found that kind of faith anywhere in all of Israel. Go ahead. Be it unto you. Just as you spoke. Just as you said. Well, Ezekiel knew he had to hear from God. And he says, you know. You know. Lord, you know what I need to do. Lord, you know what I need to say. Show me in your word. Speak, speak to me by your spirit. I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. Well, look at the next verse, verse 4. Because he tells them what to do. Another illogical thing. Another impractical thing. Look at it. Again, he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones. In other words, speak to them, preach to them. And say to them, O ye dry bones. This is almost illogical as you can get. Hear the word of the Lord. Wait a minute. Bones, hear the word of the Lord. This seems so impractical, illogical. Now, I had been preaching for like 41 years and a little bit even before that, before coming here. And I could say there are different conditions that take place when you preach to people. There are some that might be sitting there and maybe be distracted by some things that are going on. There are some that might be in these days texting what are you going to do after church is over? Then there are those that finally get a little bit, they get enough sleep last night, they kind of doze off. And one I'm thinking of that fell off the pew, if you recall. It was a wonderful time. I thought, is it that boring? <laughs> and he fell asleep and then we thought he got hurt and we looked over to this section right over here and I just saw two hairs slowly starting to come up from a pew a little higher and higher and then welcome <laughs> so there's a multitude of different scenarios when it comes to people preaching to people in different conditions but never once did I ever speak to someone who had died decayed decomposed and now bones are dry because they're exposed to the sun and all that, which they're on their way to what? Dust? The closest I came to that was the puppets. <laughs> and the cutouts when they were in the pew. Part of it was wonderful. No response. No stones being thrown. Nobody texting. Nobody falling asleep. They're already just there. Looking right at you. But now here is Ezekiel the prophet. And what's he going to do? You want me to speak to these bones? 
They say we're crazy for, for saying, speak the word. Jesus said, speak to a tree, it will obey you. He said, speak to a mountain, and it would obey you, right? But he never told me, or you, I don't think, to walk up to bones and start preaching to them. And what does he say? Hear the word of the Lord. Wow, what a powerful statement. Bones, I know you can hear. Now hear the word of the Lord. Look at the next. Few verses. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones. No wonder why they think we're crazy. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Mark those words. I said what I was told to say. I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. Can you imagine all those bones scurrying around? Uh, you belong to me. No, you no, no, that's his foot. No, that no, that's your leg. What are you doing with my arm? That's my arm. Well, I thought it was mine. No, look at that mark over there. That, you, I'll tell you when that happened. Well, they couldn't do that because there was no life at that point. But they all came back together. Skin was put back on them. And they celebrated the first Halloween. Can you imagine the frightening, <laughs> the night of the living dead, the first, number one, movie. And he's looking around and he sees all these lifeless individuals. Wow. So the first phase of the miracle was speak to the situation. Speak to the problem. Speak to the bones. Tell them what you want them to do. Wow. Well, that's what he did. Now, they were lifeless, but now all of a sudden, there are bodies there. What's the second thing? He says, look at the next few verses. It goes on to say, uh, verse 9 and 10. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, or the breath. Thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded. Notice once again, as he commanded. And the breath came into them. And they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Second phase. Second phase. He spoke once. All the bones came together, formed a skeleton. And then the flesh came up upon them, but they were lifeless. Then he says, speak to the four corners of the wind. Speak to the breath. Invoke the presence and power of the Spirit of Almighty God who is life-giving, life-breathing into these. And that's exactly what he did. But again, I want you to notice he was told what to do. He was told what to say, both to the bones and both to the wind. And as he did what God said to do, and picture this, 
they came to life. Here's an exceeding army right before his eyes. Now, I know if you prophetically go back and see this and study it out uh, in context, it's talking about the nation of Israel, talking about how they were left desolate and dead and they had no nation once again and, and basically their armies are gone and everything, but he spoke life back into them and they became a nation once again. We understand all that. But there's still another principle here that we need to see. It's the fact that we're all going to go through life and we're going to face challenges in life. And some of them may be, seem worse than others. But nothing gets worse than this situation right here. It just doesn't get any worse. What do we need to do in a situation where we need a revival? A reviving of life once again, where there might be death, decay, despair, despondency, helplessness, hopelessness. What are we going to do? We're going to go to God is what we're going to do. And we're going to get his mind and find out what he has to say. And do what he tells us to do in that situation to breathe life back into it. We're going to invoke the presence and power of the Spirit of Almighty God. And he is going to move in a powerful way to bring to pass the fulfillment or the consummation of whatever is needed. Here's where too often, I think, in the faith camp, we miss it. It's not always an instantaneous miracle that occurs or that takes place. You keep on speaking the word of God to a situation until the spirit of God takes, takes over. For example, you go back to the very beginning. In the beginning, God, Elohim, God the Godhead, created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was void and without form. But then the spirit of God was hovering or brooding over the face of the deep. But nothing was happening. We've got a chaotic state, a state of darkness, a state of death. I believe destruction, a state of judgment, and so on. And what's going on? God is observing the situation. He's come up with a plan. He knows what he's going to do. I believe it's his plan of wanting to have a family and to redeem man if he falls. But anyhow, what does God do? He is brooding over it by his spirit, and the spirit does absolutely nothing until the first phase occurs. God, the word, is spoken. The second person of deity, the word made flesh, who dwelt among us. The word is spoken. Let there be light. And the spirit of God moves and takes over. Let the earth bring forth and bud. And boom, it responds. I believe when they told us, Andrew can't live. He doesn't have a left pulmonary artery we can't make one for him. He can't live. Let him die in your arms or die in surgery. We'll just keep him alive just for a little bit longer, but he can't live. So if you want to say goodbye, we'll bring him, put him in your arms. Let him die there. That's not the time to find out what your Bible has to say. No, what man says is true from a natural perspective. And not, we wouldn't even challenge that. But you know what? God said something. Can these bones live? Man, you know. Just give the word. Tell me. Can he live? Can Andrew live? Lord, you said, whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive it and you shall have it. That's what you said. So, Father, we're asking that you give Andrew a left pulmonary artery. And we believe you heard us. It's your will. We know we have it. And we thank you for him having a left pulmonary artery. Andrew, you have a left pulmonary artery. Andrew, that artery is growing. It's opening. 
It's becoming normal. For nine solid months, my wife sang the song of a left pulmonary artery. We spoke life to that left pulmonary artery. We thank God for recreating, we're creating a left pulmonary artery. You know the story. But my point is, God doesn't have to lift us up in the spirit and take us somewhere to, to produce this. He could speak to us by a spirit, yes, but we've got this wonderful word of God that lives and abides forever. This word of God that will never fail us. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but this word will live on forever. And what man could not do, praise God, God did. But we've got to cooperate with him. And we've got to see beyond the death. See beyond the decay. The decomposing of the body. See beyond the despair the dry bones that will lead to dust eventually, because that's the end result of it. But we don't serve a God who's dead. We serve a living God. We serve a living God who breathes life into death and brings life out of death. Now, when you think about, he said, speak to the wind, the four corners of the wind, and really it's the word breath. That's where you get the word breath and life from. Let's look at it in the Bible. Look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. You've got all these bodies here now before Ezekiel, but they're not living. They're not alive. They're not doing anything. But then he spoke to the wind. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. It's the same word. Speak to the breath. Speak to the wind. In other words, invoke the breath of God in the situation. Invoke the power of God. The spoken word, yes, and the breath of God by the Spirit into the situation. And man became a living soul. That's exactly what he did. And all those individuals became a living army once again. Look in 2 Timothy. And notice in uh, chapter 3, verse 16 from the NIV version of the Bible. All scripture is God breathe oh I like that don't you it is God breathe Jesus said the words I speak to you they are spirit and they are life it is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness notice God breathe why am I saying this let's go back to the jaw bones for just a moment do you realize how much negativity comes out of our mouths throughout the course of a day when we see a situation and we evaluate the situation and it looks illogical, looks unreasonable, and we think that what we say has no impact on that situation, I beg to differ. What you say, what I say, makes all the difference in the world. Jesus said, you want that tree to move, you've got to speak to it. You want that mountain to go, you've got to speak to it. But you've got to speak to it, not because someone else told you to speak to it, but because you have picked up your own Bible, because you have studied the word of the Lord for yourself. You have found out there's power in your words. Jesus said, the words you speak, you'll give account thereof on the day of judgment. By your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you're going to be condemned. And then right there before the throne of God, whether it's the righteous uh, that are judged or whether it's the great right throne judgment, the words we speak will determine where we end up and what we have. But he is saying to us today, speak the word of the Lord. Prophesy. We're going to prophesy means to speak, to preach what the word of the Lord. To that given situation, if we want it to revive and come out of death into life, then the first phase is to find out what the word of God says and declare it because this is God breathed this word. And the end of the story, Andrew grew a left pulmonary artery in normal size when they said he couldn't possibly do that. That's impossible. He will be 20 years old in June. 
That's a lot longer than three months, wouldn't you say? Amen. And why? We are not because of us. We just did what God said to do. God did the work himself. Look at the next verse. In uh, Psalms, this 33 verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Hallelujah. Can you see something here? We're invoking the power of the Holy Spirit. We're asking him to come into our services and breathe upon us. Go ahead. When we pray on Wednesday nights, when people gather together, we are believing that we're creating a habitation for God in our midst, a habitation where he could just move in by his spirit, where he can manifest himself, show himself strong on our behalf, save the lost, heal the sick, set the captives free, work miracles among us. Why? Because he's the living God who can bring life out of death. We should offer something here that the world cannot give. And the world cannot provide. It doesn't mean we don't respect and, and thank God for all those that are out there that help us in the natural, natural means. Also medical field, medical means. We thank God for that. But there are limitations that man has. Finite limitations that all mankind has. But once again, it doesn't get worse than that. It doesn't get any worse than the situation he saw before his eyes. They were dead. They were decayed. They were decomposed. They were dry bones, and really any much longer they would have been dust. Would that made it more difficult for God to bring them up? No, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, every person that's ever been cremated, on that day when Jesus comes again, you're going to say hello to your body. You're going to meet it. Look at the next one. In John 3, we're talking about life. It regenerates. It creates. It regenerates. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind, the breath, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Aren't you glad that the Spirit of God was hovering, brooding over you, and did not leave you, but kept on hovering over you, trying to get your attention to let you know let me in. I want to give you life. But you see, what it took was someone to come along with the Word of God and share with you the Word of God and let you know, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. Hey, you can go to heaven if you want to. Hey, you can be healed if you want to. Hey, you can be delivered from that if you so desire. But what you need is to hear the Word of the Lord. What thus saith the Lord, the, the, the living God? What is God saying about that situation? And if God says something, we could embrace that. We could take that and say, Father, you said that. Now I invite your Holy Spirit to make it a reality in my life. So whatever's going on out there, whatever is basically trying to bring death to our lives, it is so important that we get a hold of the Word of God, embrace it, and just say, no, no, no. God said, I will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. God said, greater is he that's in me than he that is in this world. God said, if I believe in my heart and say with my mouth, I'll have what I say. God said, I could speak to that mountain. It's got to obey me. I know it sounds illogical. It sounds stupid. It sounds like you're some kind of crazy Christian lunatic. But you know what? Let them call us crazy all they want. My son will be 20 years old in June. And I thank God for that. 
because we believe that we could see something beyond what we see with our natural eyes. And so thank God for that. And you know, if we take that in every realm of our lives and apply the same principles, we get the same results. Amen. God's not a man to lie or the son of man to repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll make it good. So look at Isaiah 55 verse 11. And here it is, the clincher. It's not the fact that God did it. It's the fact of how he did it. How did he do it? God could have waved a magic wand. God could have said something like hocus pocus. But he didn't. What did he do? He found a man. And he said to the man, speak the word I tell you. Preach to those bones. Preach to those dead, dried up, decomposing, so-and-so bodies. They're not there, but preach to them. And so illogical. But praise God. When they say it can't be done, God says all the more it can be done. And it will be done if you'll cooperate with me. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth that shall not return to me void. It will accomplish that what I please and prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. We've got to embrace that. We've got to believe that. We all do. I'm speak, preaching to myself as well. We all have to embrace it. We all have to believe it and rise up to a place. When I came here 41 years ago, I brought a message like this. And I'll tell you what, it was shot down. I'm talking about not people here shot down by the community, shot down by the Christian world. It was at a time when anyone who had, who had any association with the word of faith and preached like this was shot down because you're some kind of a cult leader and all that. I've been told that as well. But you know what? Since that time, there have been multitudes of people that have come to me and said, if it were not for what I heard, I wouldn't be alive. If it were not for what I heard, I wouldn't have a baby. If it wasn't for what I heard, and it just goes on and on and on and on. Guess what? They were Christians for a long period of time, but they never heard that before. What they thought was you have to go to church, and if something happens in church, okay, if it doesn't, then you're done. That's not it. We get that word of God. We embrace that word of God. We uphold that word of God. We esteem that word of God and say, it's got to be the way God said it is. And that's the bottom line. And then we say, Holy Spirit, make it a reality. In John chapter 5 and verse 25. Look at this. Verily, very I say unto you, the hour is coming now. It, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. It's one thing if you still have some breath in you and you hear the voice of the Son of God. It's another thing if you just died and someone says, Tabitha, arise. It's another thing if your body has started to decay and someone says, Lazarus, come forth. It's another thing if your body has decomposed and there's nothing but bones there and you're told, speak to those bones. You, you think there's not a degree of evil, challenge, however you want to say it? There's a degree of it. But even in its worst case scenario, what does God say to do? It's how he said to do it. Speak to 
the problem. Invite the Spirit of God. Hovering over the face of the deep, the Holy Ghost didn't move until someone spoke the word. And once that word was spoken, the Spirit of God began to move and he breathed life. And life came out of it. Can you say amen? So what did he say? Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Lazarus, he heard come forth. Anus heard, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Peter said, Tabitha, arise, and she arose. The woman of Cain heard Jesus say, young man, arise, damsel, arise, and the list goes on and on. God brought life out of death when people cooperated with him, or he declared it, he cooperated with the Father, and said what needed to be said in that situation. So we close this by lessons that we learn from this particular scenario. What do we learn from this? Number one, dry times can come to anyone. Difficult situations can come to everybody who is born again, spirit-filled, faith-walking, tongue-talking, armor-bearing, love-practicing, living epistle of the living Christ, known to read of all men. It can come no matter who you are. No one is exempt from it. Was Jesus attacked when he was here on this earth? He sure was, wasn't he? And how did he overcome the situation? With the word of God, by the spirit of God that was upon him. Did you ever notice that Jesus was not attacked for how many years? 30 years. Not until he got baptized in water and filled with the Holy Ghost. Then he got attacked, right? Think about it. If he's going to get attacked, so are we. The moment you wake up in the morning because you're a born-again, blood-washed child of God, you have to just know this. You are an enemy of the enemy. He doesn't want you telling anybody about Jesus. He wants you dead. Number two, God wants us to express our belief. Can these bones live? Uh... You know. Think about it. How many times have you said, this situation's impossible? Or I said it. We have all said it. In the natural, it is impossible. It's absolutely impossible. But sit back and think. Can these bones live? Well, I guess you know. Well, guess what? If you know, then I want to know what you know. If I know what you know, then I know they can live. Number three. A word from God is absolutely essential. That's why it's so important, even when you come for prayer, or you're believing God. If you call somebody on the phone and say, hey, I'm under attack, believe with me. Okay, what verse of Scripture are you standing on? It's what did God say, whether by His Spirit or as you read it. I will restore health unto you and heal you of every wound. Jeremiah 30 and verse 17. He bore all my sickness and carried my pains. By stripes I was healed. 1 Peter 2, 24, Matthew 8, 16 and 17. You take those verses of Scripture in Psalm 103 and just say, He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. And we take that, we embrace that and just say, This is what you said, Lord. Now, may your spirit manifest himself and breathe upon these words and bring life. In reality. Number four. The Spirit's power is necessary. It's absolutely essential and necessary. And that's why he said, speak to the wind. And then number five, nothing is beyond what God can do. If this story doesn't tell us nothing is beyond what God can do, Chuck, is there anything beyond what God can do? Do you all know that his was a death sentence? Do we know that here? Yeah, that's how bad he was. I'll tell you right now, it's by the word of the Lord and proclaiming it and declaring it over your life, over his life. And everybody's joining together with that. That's why Andrew's alive. 
It was us, yes, as parents, but also all of you joined together with us and created even a, a greater force and power as the Spirit of God moved. That's what it is. And you know what? It doesn't change. It'll never change. It's always going to be the same because that's how God operates. And then finally, cooperation is absolutely, positively necessary on our part. You want to know how you get saved? You know what? Go back to the wishful thinkers. I wish I make heaven. That was me. When I was about 16 years of age, I wished I could go to heaven. I didn't know how to get there. No one gave me a road map. And even though I was in church for 24 years, I was not guaranteed I would make it. And then I cried out to God because I was under deep conviction one day. I went to bed that night. I was under deep conviction. And I cried out saying, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I was consciously aware of the fact that I was going to hell. And I didn't even know it. I didn't know what conviction was. And this would happen like night after night. And I would just say, man, I wish I could make heaven. Lord, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be lost throughout eternity. So what does he do? He sends a labor of love to my life across my path and says, hey, Bill, you've got to be born again. I went to school with this person. Now we were working on a plant together. And I said, what? He said, if you want to make heaven, you've got to be born again. I thought, this is some weirdo. Isn't that sad? I'm saying, um, I wish I could make heaven. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to go to hell. And she comes, comes up to me and says, you know you can make heaven. And I call her a weirdo. A Jesus freak. Some, some crazy person. Think about it. What does it take for God to get through this skull of ours? So that happened. Another time it happened. My father got saved. He started talking to me. My brother got saved. He's talking to me. Aren't you glad the Spirit of God continues to hover over you? He never gave up on me. And that day I did it. I saw it. And I did what God said to do. Believe in your heart and say with your mouth. Call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. And the Holy Ghost made that a reality in my life. That's how God operates. We've got to cooperate with Him. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We do. Let's take a moment. Thank you, Father, for the revelation of your word and for the power of your Holy Spirit. We call ourselves a full gospel believing church. We believe in your word and its authority. We believe in the power of your Holy Spirit and his manifestations, the gifts of God in this place. We surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our will to you. We live to allow you to inhabit our bodies individually, that you would manifest yourself collectively in a powerful way, that you could do your work in us and through us as a church body like you have never done before. Thank you for a revival to take place in all of our souls, that we all look to you, we all surrender to you, we all depend upon you, and we all are moved in a place that we can believe that even in the midst of death, decay, decomposing bodies, dry bones and dust itself nothing is too hard for you and everything is possible to him that believes and so father god forgive our doubt forgive our unbelief and let your mercy flow like a mighty river among us and revive us once again to rise up to a place that we stand for what you have declared to be true in all of our lives and allow your spirit to make it a reality would you stand up with me and just give him a praise offering for that?